Hey y'all, it's Larry from Taylor Trash Fly Fishing, and it's been a while, but uh, I'm up here in Bluff City, Tennessee at the old homestead, and I've had the pleasure of sitting down with Jonathan Neiman from the Fly Box of Tennessee, the newest fly shop in Holston Valley, um, the Taylor Trash Fly Fishing Boys were up over the past weekend, and we did a Taylor Park Casting Championship East Tennessee stop with them at the shop. And uh, while we were doing it, Jonathan agreed to come meet me and uh, have a beer with. Jonathan, how are you doing? Doing well, thank you. So um, we've kind of uh, gotten to know each other over the past... uh, three or four visits that I've come up and uh, one of the uh, cool things that we've done is we fished a little bit together and you know just while we've been on the water um, while I've been hanging out at the shop I've kind of uh, gotten to know your story um, as far as how you ended up with opening a fly shop and you know I think that there's a lot of fly fishermen that aspire and dream of opening a fly shop. So I want you to kind of tell me a little bit about what led you to make that jump. Like, is there a particular time or place that you can vividly remember where you said, man, this would be kind of cool to do. And from that point forward, it was all about planning it and making it happen. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> probably the the most pivotal time that you could timestamp um, us go ahead and committing to it. Um, my poor wife has heard every crazy idea I've ever had of, you know, opening a shop or <clears throat> getting in the industry. Um, it probably goes back to when I was a kid. I grew up in uh, way far northern California um, on a pretty famous salmon and steelhead river. And uh, my football coach um, and my science teacher, same guy, <clears throat> owned a fly shop. And he was, uh, he also had, we had this class in school um, that he taught you how to basically build a rod, cast a rod, tie a fly, catch a fish. And it was all through the school and through his fly shop. And so I'd grown up going into different fly shops in the early 80s. Um, And I just thought they were super cool. You know, I was a little kid. And, uh, but... We had been coming down to East Tennessee from Kentucky, kind of a fast-forward leap. Uh, And, you know, there's a lot of 
really good shops in the area and a lot of them with, um, you know, a, lo- a long history of being in the area. And um, I had done a hosted trip with a group of my buddies out to Montana and uh, a very dear friend of mine was on that trip <clears throat> and we had gotten done fishing for a week and we were all in the, sh- we had flown out of Bozeman. We're flying back to Kentucky and I had planned the trip and done everything. And this really good friend of mine at the airport in Chicago walked up to me and he's like, dude, this is what you need to be doing. You need to be involved in this. You're passionate about it. And, uh, we flew into Lexington that night and the boys and I Cy, my son, who's a guide on the river here. And my oldest son Forrest was on that trip. And what was interesting was, you know, we had always talked about what type of shop we would have. And when we flew into Lexington, I'm, I'm a pretty chatty Kathy. Um, and I was excited to see my wife. I hadn't seen her in 10 days. And uh, we get off the airplane, and she pretty much can tell something's up. And uh, so we get in the car, and I'm like, I want to talk to you in the morning about something. And uh, so we just kind of spilled it all out right there, like this is the type of shop I want to open in East Tennessee because I love this area um, and I love the rivers here and I love the people. Um, and so <laughs> I don't know why, but she looked at me and said, let's go for it. And a lot of it had to do with timing with my daughter, uh, my youngest child uh, leaving for college. And my wife had clicked 30 years uh, in the industry that she was in. And so yeah, man, she just looked at me and was like, all right, make it happen, you know. Now, in the past, you and I have talked about, you know, your shop is unique to the area, um, unique in the sense of it's a lot of open space. Um, you have the taps, mm-hmm. you have the deli, mm-hmm. and, um, you know, you you referred to it as kind of more of like a western style shop yeah. where you know there is gear mm-hmm. you know there's there's rods available there's reels available but not like you know five brands of everything um and then when it comes to flies mm-hmm. you know you have the bins it's uh what's essential to the area where we fish here yeah. in east tennessee yeah um you don't have, you know, a room or a huge wall of materials. Um, uh, what led you, you know, was it that trip to Bozeman that just, was there a fly shop in particular that you visited that you said, you know, this is kind of what I want to do. Um, and, and it, wh- where did the inspiration for that very unique floor plan and, uh, way that you're running your business come from? Um, yeah, for sure. I mean, I, you know, the idea of the shop with the deli and beer is not exclusive to our shop. Um, probably the shop that I drew the most inspiration as far as that layout is in Craig, Montana on the Missouri. Um, there's a shop there, um, 
called the trout shop and they have a deli and so just the total ease of being able to walk in there every evening after we got off the mow um the boys and i and several trips that we've done out there um and the ease of like hey man here's our lunch orders for the day for tomorrow um we'll pick them up at 7 30 in the morning um and you know grabbing a beer afterwards and reliving that afternoon and one of the things that struck me and both of my sons and some friends that were out there as well was um <clears throat> i just saw a lot more community or i don't know there were guides from other shops and then independent guides that guide on the mow that we had met they would all meet there you know in the evening and they'd sit out on the front porch and they'd all sit there and you know shoot the shit and i was like the one thing that is lacking to me was that communal kind of get together spot so we definitely borrowed that from that um as far as the being really specific about the river stuff i I think for the credibility of the shop and for myself, and I by no means think that I have the answer to everything that's going on on the river. I mean, that's there's no way that's possible, but I wanted to be able to speak to everything that was in the shop. And so when we sat down as a family and started planning this out, I mean, this was months of we would sit down, Cy was living down here, but like we would literally sit around the table like what we're doing right now and just hammer out ideas. And the one thing that just stuck with me was I wanted a shop that when somebody came in and they had a question about why do you carry that fly line and like not all the fly lines, I wanted to be able to speak exactly to that fly line. And I've been doing this long enough that I've cast about every rod out there. So I knew that I could pair my experience with that specific fly line to the rod that they were having. So literally when we were sitting down and planning it, <clears throat> we just got to the point where we were like, let's empty all our boat bags. And what are we fishing when we're down there? And, you know, I used to keep my drift boat in a storage unit down here and it looked like a little mini fly shop. And we just went through that thing. Yeah, and I believe, uh, one of the one of the earlier times that I met you, um, you were talking about how you had come to to decide who you were carrying in the shop, and you said, "I basically took my drift boat and turned it upside down. Everything that fell out, I di I cataloged it, and that's who I went to and said, "Hey, Scott Rods, yeah, you're all I fish. Yep, um, I'm opening a shop." This is, you know, what I'm doing. This is what I've always used. I'd be proud to carry your stuff. And they were like, hell yeah, let's do it. Yeah. And uh, a really unique approach rather than, like you say, how many different rods can you put on the wall? And then it's, are you selling it or are you just sharing what you know has brought you joy and has worked for you over time yeah and and it's where you arrived through years of experience yeah absolutely um and it, and it what was amazing with the whole thing is 
every one of those brands that we contacted um, when we were going through that <clears throat> were super on board with that philosophy. Um, and I got a lot of comments like, we're missing that in the industry right now is um, that level of commitment to, you know, there are a ton of really good fly rods and, you know, and reels and lines and all that. But uh, I think they were just, they were happy to have someone that was committed enough to be like, you know, this is the one that I fish. This is why I fish it. I've had years of experience with it. And so I think it's going to be an easy fit to be able to put that on your reel. And so, you know, I've, I mean, I, I'm sure you have experienced this, but I've gone in to buy fly line, you know, and I don't have a chance to cast that fly line on my fly rod and a fly rod's super important. Um, and a fly reel is super important. But if we really get down to the brass tacks, the most important thing that we fling around in the air is the fly line. And so to me, I was, I wanted to be able to have everything that we had in the shop on a reel so that when someone came in and I don't care what brand fly rod, you know, I'm just happy you're there fishing and having a good time. So when you came in, you're like, man, I need new five weight fly line. Well, what fly rod do you have? Do you have it with you? Well, yeah, man, I got it in my truck because we're right by the river. And so, you know, my thing is, is like, dude, let's find the line that pairs with your rod the best and you and um, make it an experience that it isn't just, hey, dude, here's fly line. It's 130 bucks because that's a lot of money. And, you know, good luck. Hope it works. Right. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. if you find out that you don't like a fly line and you've paid that buck 30. Yeah. You, you're just out of buck 30. Yeah. And stuck with a line that you really don't like. Yeah, absolutely. Or, or just maybe you like it, but it just doesn't work with your rod. Correct. So you actually said something to me the other night when we were doing our casting event, um, which we'll, we'll actually get into the whole casting event yeah. in more detail later. But uh, there was a young man that was there that uh, participated in the event, and uh, he was probably the lowest time pilot of uh, <laughs> of the bunch, right? Yeah. And uh, he was like, "Man, I think I want to buy a fly rod." And you know, as the owner of a fly shop, you know, most most would be licking their chops that they're about to make a sale because here's somebody that's like ready to pull the wallet out. Oh yeah. And, 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 and you, you, you stopped him and said, today's not the day to do it. It you was, know, we're, we're way too busy. Yeah. <laughs> can't, can't really put you out here and like, let you cast enough to see if the rod and the, the term you use, I want you to be able to know that the rod speaks to you. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, having been a rep in the past, um, I had always told people, you know, they're like, well, you know, what makes your rod special? And I'm like, it's not that my rod's any more special or better or worse than another. It's just another option for you. Yeah. And if you go to a fly shop and you're buying a five weight, you should go and ask them if you have the time, I want to cast every five weight in here mm -hmm. and don't look at the brand 
don't look at the price tag. If you're in that point in your life where, you know, the price tag really doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, And one of those rods is going to tell you, Mm -hmm. this is the rod that I love. Yeah. And then, then look at the price tag. Yeah. And if the price tag doesn't work for you, what was the one that was almost as good? Yeah, yeah. That, you know, spoke to you, but it didn't didn't hug you. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, you know, I thought that was really cool that you forewent a sale for all the right reasons. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, as a new shop and a new business owner, you know, Sometimes I'm like, oh, my God, what am I doing? But, you know, this dude had had a few beers, and he had, you know, I mean, he had got kind of caught up in the moment. I mean, how rad is that, that a dude that is brand new to fly fishing within, a you know, month or five weeks or six weeks of, of fishing, you know, that he's willing to get out there with, obviously, guys that could cast fly rods and compete. Yeah. Well, and, and, you know, it was the vibe. Yeah. It was the whole vibe that was going down. Yeah. Everybody was having a good time. And, you know, the kid was nervous. He he was like, but I've only been doing it this long. And uh, my wife actually was like, look, man, just it's about having a good time. Yeah. Just visualize your, you putting it in the target. Go out there and have fun. And he was like, you know what? I'm going to do it. Yeah. And next thing you know, he was out there having a good time. Yep. So, uh, but, um, so back to the whole process. Mm-hmm. So you're living in Lexington. Yeah. Central Kentucky. And you've told your wife, <laughs> um, Hey, we just had a kick-ass time in Montana. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this this shop has been growing on me over the years. Uh, me and the boys, on the way back, uh, my buddy said something to me that really resonated, and I want to open a fly shop. And she said, well, we, let's do it. Yeah. Um, from that point, you know, there were a lot of family meetings, mm-hmm. like you said. What was the timeline? I mean, because you built a brand new building. Yeah. Um, so what kind of timeline, what, what, how long did it take before from idea to taping that first dollar sale on the wall? (laughs) Um, see, we were in Montana in July, which is my favorite time to go. So of course I, you know, peddled everybody into going out there then. Um, and literally I, retired from what I was doing the next July. And by then I'd already bought the piece of ground, designed the building all the way down to the plumbing and electrical, um, and the space exactly how we wanted it. So yeah, a year. Yeah. Yeah. And then we opened up, we had planned on opening up last September. Um, but there were some delays, uh, in construction. Um, not so much with material. I'd love to blame it on that, but there were some hiccups on uh, getting the building approved for our certificate of occupancy. So it pushed us to uh, opening right after Thanksgiving. So, um, yeah, so like literally a year and a half. So, yeah, 15, 16 months. Right. Um 
a lot of stress any any second thoughts like through the process any what the hell have i done <laughs> um <clears throat> yes and no um no because i believe in the shop um and i believe in what i'm trying to do and i'm not taken away from any other shops i mean there i send people to other shops um, and even my regulars, I'm like, dude, you need to go in there and visit those guys and grab a couple flies and grab some tying material and, you know, keep, keep yourself active there. Um, I think the only, I was naive in, in the amount of hours that I would literally be standing there, um, because we're doing this, you know, all on our own. Uh, so no regrets, um, you know, you and Shannon and I were talking earlier about sometimes it's hard to see the forest for the trees, you know, and as I get older, all these sayings that my grandfather and my dad said, you know, I'm like, what does that mean? It, a lot of that stuff is coming true, you know. Um, it's pretty rare that I work under 70 hours a week. I mean, I'm, I'm <clears throat> open every day of the week, and uh, and I'm the one there. I'm the one that opens it and most most evenings I'm the one that closes it. Um, so a lot of long hours. It's fun. Um, you know, I had some people come in today for the first time and they spent probably two hours in there, had lunch, had some beers and we just wrapped forever, you know, and, and super cool couple, uh, visiting the area for the first time. And, you know, they're, they're like, Oh my God, we'll be back. This is so cool. And, so like nights like that, it's real easy, you know, right. and then getting some of the OG guys that I looked up to on this river um, and have known about and know, uh, knew from coming down here and fishing for all those years, seeing them come in the shop and hang out. Yeah, dude, it's puts a pretty big smile on my face. Awesome. Yeah. All right. So let's, <clears throat> let's backpedal a little bit. All right. And, uh, Let's talk about young Jonathan <laughs> out in California. Yeah. So who took you fly fishing for the first time? Um, <clears throat> so my dad was not, I mean, he fished a little bit. Um, you and I had talked a little bit about my dad's military career. So um, my parents and my brother and sister are more age appropriate to my parents' age. Uh, I was the welcome home from Vietnam baby. Right. So um, I caught the last part of my dad's military career. So um, when he retired in, in 1981, after 30 years in the Marine Corps, 30 and a half years, um, we moved back to where my mom and dad had grown up, which is in Northern California in Humboldt County. Uh, and this was in the late seventies and, you know, first part of the eighties. Um, my uncle, my mom's brother and my mom's dad were fly fishermen. At that time, my grandfather still lived, he had lived in Montana and then, um, had moved back to, uh, Roseburg, Oregon on the Deschutes. And, um, so I saw him fly fish and, uh, my dad did not do that. And then I saw my uncle fly fishing. So to be completely honest with you, 
the first person who ever took me fly fishing was myself. Okay. Yep. Yep. Um, <clears throat> I snaked a rod from my uncle, an old, uh, I think it was a lamb of glass, um, fiberglass fly rod and an old beat up reel. And, uh, he gave me some line and I held that thing on my BMX bike and full ET'd it down the road to the river. Uh, I was really fortunate in the fact that I grew up, you know, less than a quarter of a mile from the Eel River, the North Fork, uh, South Fork of the Eel River. And um, so, yeah, dude, I bombed down on the BMX bike. The so old... did, did your uncle, like, give you any? No, no dude. It was just like, no. here's the rod, <laughs> yeah. go do it. Yeah. And, you know, back then there weren't even tapered leaders. You had to build your own leaders. And... um he kind of helped me get that going a little bit. Um, but dude, for the, for, and I was probably like 10 or 11 years old. Okay. Um, yeah. I would just go down there and play Zorro for, you know, a few hours with that rod and catch some stupid little rainbow. That was the dumbest one that, you know, and I would go to the, the, there wasn't a fly shop in the town that I lived in, but there was a sporting goods store. And some of you older guys will remember these, but, you could buy these fly pucks and they would just be like super weird flies in like a bumblebee and then like a wasp. And then there'd always be like a little black fly or like a, a mosquito looking fly. Right. And that was my favorite. Like I would buy those things and just turn yeah, it to You that. turn it. It's got the gas. It's like what the uh, split shot. Yeah, exactly. But it's, it's what about eight flies? Yeah. You know, it's like yeah. dial up a fly. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So I would just crank that thing to that mosquito fly. Um, we didn't really have a lot of hatches on that river. Um, so to speak, but, uh, yeah, man, I would go down there and flail around. Um, and it was a pretty popular, <coughs> excuse me, there was a pretty popular summer destination because of the Redwoods. Right. There were a ton of KOA campgrounds, so there would be people on the river fishing all the time. And, dude, I would wear those guys out with questions, you know, like, hey, man, <laughs> you know. And they were just like, what in the hell is this townie kid doing, you know. And it would get dark, and I'd literally push my bike back up the hill. And... uh yeah, I don't know, man. I just, you know, fly fishing for me, I heard you talk about it on one of your podcasts, how relatable fly fishing and skateboarding is. Yep. And of course, you know, there's that. Um, you know, you try to learn a trick on skateboarding. You, I can't imagine ever doing it on the first try. So it's like failure after failure, but you're still just wearing yourself out trying to do it and that's what i was doing with fly fishing i believe that skateboarding and fly fishing could both be described as the art of failure oh yeah is as long as you go into both of those endeavors understanding that you have to be self-reliant you have to be willing to put in the time you have to be able to look failure in the face mm -hmm. and say fuck you yeah <laughs> um you know it, it's really for every time you don't make it it's just one more opportunity to make it um it, it's it's creates one of the best mindsets i believe especially 
you know, I didn't start fly fishing until way later in life. You know, you're starting at 11 or 12. Um, you know, what lessons it's taught you, you know, over time just with stick-to-itiveness and, you know, checking out and watching how somebody else is doing it, then emulate it, and you're like, you know, no different than you, you land that trick. And you're like, yeah. hell yeah. Oh, yeah. Or you finally start getting that loop going, and you're like, wow, this is how it's supposed to feel. Yeah. Or, you know, one of those guys feels bad for the little townie kid and oh, says, yeah. hey, kid, <laughs> here's what you need to be using. Yeah, totally. You know, so we get it all the time, especially now with social media. And when I say we, I mean fly fishing, the 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 world of fly fishing, where you have people that are coming into the sport, the lifestyle, the, the whatever you want to call whatever fly fishing is to you. Um that are just like thirsting for knowledge. Right. Oh yeah. Um, and you know, I've, I've always been a big advocate of, you know, if you're invited on a camping trip, you know, it's best that you show up on that camping trip for the first time and just kind of stay, you know, on the periphery and, you know, hang out around the fire and and do a lot of listening. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, because the kid that's asking all the questions or the adult that's asking all the questions, you know, it kind of gets tiresome. You know, nobody signed up to be your instructor. Right. But if you just sit back and listen. Yeah. And put in a little bit of time, just like in skating, you know, it, it's pretty neat. You know, my son, who you've skated with yeah. now, <laughs> um, you know, his peer group is phenomenal. His peer group is, he's 16 now. He started skating when he was seven, I think. Yeah. Um, it shows. <laughs> and, you know, it's like from, from that time to current, he's 16 now. His peer group may be a 10-year-old, plenty of 20-year-olds, mm-hmm. 30-year-olds, 40-year-olds, and 50-year-olds. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, in that skate park environment especially, you know, he, he's gotten a lot of growing up advice, mm-hmm. you know, from the older guys. Mm-hmm. He still has the fun with the kids. Mm-hmm. He gets to see the kids that are still really kids at heart. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so same thing in fly fishing. Um, if you're a really young guy that's in fly fishing, you know, don't put anybody on a pedestal. They're your peer, you know, be respectful if they have more experience than you. Yeah. But, uh, you know, none of us are like these deities. Um, and, and I think that your journey, the way it started so far. Um, so you're, you're out there, you're fishing, you're kind of learning it on your own. Yeah. Um, did, did there come a time where you left California, you had to move on because your dad's career forced you to move? No, actually. Um, so my brother and sister, um, lived. So my sister never, she, when she graduated high school, she went to school in Kentucky. That's how we all ended up there. Um, and then my brother went to that same college and then I went to that, that same school. Um, 
And so when I moved um, in 1990, um, you know, I didn't, there's, at that time, I didn't know there were any trout water in Kentucky, and there's not traditional trout water, there's a tailwater. Um, so I found the Smokies and was, you know, blasting down there all the time. And you talk about, like, it was tough because I was pretty proficient by the time I was 18, 19 years old on, on the Eel River, the Trinity, the Van Dusen, um, the Klamath, um, and had fished all around California and Oregon. Um, and I got to the small stream stuff, dude, and it was like, whoa, <laughs> I don't know what the hell I'm doing. And it was pretty humbling. Um, I found a fly shop uh, there, and it was a fairly new fly shop and for that time there, and it's Little River Outfitters and Byron Bagley. Great, great shop. Yeah, killer shop. Byron Bagley's actually from Kentucky, so when I rolled in there the first time, I was like, dude, I need help. Like, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. I'm not catching nothing. Um, and you know, he was pretty instrumental in, in developing my proficiency in the Smokies. And I, I got it dialed in pretty quick and fished that a lot. Um, took my boys there when they were little. And then there was a tailwater called the Cumberland, uh, river in central Kentucky. And, uh, in the in the mid '90s, up to the late '90s, it was a phenomenal fishery. Um, big reproducing browns and rainbows, um, and uh, like so many of the dams in the TVA system, which that one's in TVA's control as well, um, they found that thing to be failing, and uh, they drained that lake like in no time at all, and it's two or three times as big as South Holston Lake. So they ran 23,000 CFS Jesus. for 24 hours a day for like eight months and completely scoured and ruined that river. Um, and that's actually, I had read about the South Holston and the Watauga, but, you know, to me it was like, oh, if I'm going to fish a tailwater, you know, but I didn't know. I just had no idea. Um so that's actually how I found the South Holston was uh, a dear friend of mine in Lexington that's a infectious disease doctor came down here and fished. And he called me that night from the hotel in Bristol and was like, uh, you need to get down here, bro. This place is insane. What what year was that? Um, that would have been like 03. Okay. Yep. Um, and I came down once and then you know, life got in the way and, you know, I was fishing the Smokies or, you know, trying to fish as much as I could, you know, here and there. Um, and then I brought Cy down here his eighth grade year. Um, so that would have been like 2009 or 10. Yeah, nine. And, uh, we came here and didn't have a drift boat and, uh, <laughs> We got here and it rained all the way from central Kentucky to Johnson City. And so, like, we got here to wade fish the whole week and they turned the generator on and didn't shut that thing off. We had like one half day of wade fishing. But what was super cool was when I got here, I'm like, holy crap, this looks a lot like where I grew up. Um, Northern California is a little bit bigger mountains, but very rural. Um, 
and kind of the lifeblood of the area. No NASCAR, but, you know, was the river. Right. And so I saw something, you know, I was like, oh, my God, there's drift boats here. And so um, we ended up packing up and leaving and going down to the Smokies and fishing. When I got back home, um, I said to my wife, I was like, I'm buying a drift boat. <laughs> She's like, why? And I said, because I found where I'm going to be every weekend. And that pretty much started it. Um, and, yeah, man, we were here all the time fishing. Um, Cy ended up going to school here, um, my middle son, and he guides for a guide service on the river uh, for Patrick's guide service, which, I mean, he's doing, you know, 180 days to 200 plus days a year on the river. So he is in hog heaven with himself. But yeah, man, um, that was kind of the genesis of finding this area. And obviously I fell in love with the river, but I also kind of felt home here. You know, I hadn't really been out to California a whole lot. Um, I didn't really have a desire to go back there because, you know, I, I enjoyed fishing here and, um, but you know, like I said, I fell in love with the river, but then I fell in love with the area too. And kind of the cool thing about the shop is the people that I've met, it, you know, not sound hokey, but I've fallen in love with the people around here. Right. You know, I mean, the community of fly fishermen and the caliber of fly fishermen that we have that fish this river from like the OG dudes like Mike Adams, that's been guiding forever. Mike King that's on the river um, all the time, Matt and Rod Champion, the Schroyer brothers. I mean, and then the list just keeps going on and on. And, I mean, the caliber of fly fishermen that have not spent much time out west don't know how good they are. I mean, honestly. Um, and I tell people all the time that come in my shop, I'm like, dude, you need to go out west because – you need to see just how good this river's made you be. Um, and there's just a lot of good hearted, good fly fishermen in this area. And, um, that kind of circles back around to why we built the shop the way we did it was cause I want to get that community together. And your event was, you know, one of a, one of a few that we've had that, you know, we see a lot of different faces roll in and, and, um, uh, you know, it's humbling and it's honoring um, for me because, like I told you, I was super nervous to do this because, you know, who am I, dude? I'm just a guy who opened a fly shop. And, yeah, I get it. Like, I sold everything I had to open a fly shop. And, you know, I, I chased a dream. But, um, dude, I'm the lucky one. You know, I really am. I'm I'm the guy that somebody like Todd Boyer comes in and hangs out at my shop and it brings his son. And so I want you to go into a little bit of detail about the relationship you have with Todd's son. <laughs> yeah. How old he is. Yeah. And, and anybody that visits the fly box, you've got to make sure that you're listening to this part because there's some flies that yes. you definitely need in your box. Yeah. I mean, obviously, Todd Boyer, um, it's funny. The first time I met him was he was working at a shop with a guy named Eddie Wyatt, and the shop was called Fly Fishing or East Tennessee. I can't remember the name of it. but the it was The Tennessee Fly Shop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I still have a hat, hat. from there. Yep. <laughs> yeah, cool. Someday you'll have one from the fly box. <laughs> um, uh, you know, and I, I knew who he was because of, you know, obviously Todd's wiggle minnow. Like, right. listen up, people. If you don't know about that fly, um, you probably should buy you a few uh, at any fly shop. You can get them because I think they've caught about every species of fish you, you're not afraid to throw them at. Um, and then him and I kind of reconnected, um, because Cy was in Johnson city going to ETSU Mahoney's kind of became an easy stop for us. Sure. And of course, Todd worked there and then Mitch Kincaid worked there. Um, who's another stellar dude that everybody should be friends with. Um, um, but yeah, so Todd, um, I mean, he's just, he's just been, it's funny, Shannon said earlier she can kind of gauge the temperament and what type of person someone is by how they treat your kid. Right. And that's always been a bar for me. You know, if I walk into a fly shop or a anything and someone's kind of shitty to my kids, it pretty sums up what type of person they are and what kind of atmosphere I'm in. Um, and I saw that, I mean, as a dad, you see that. Absolutely. Um, and so, uh, you know, Todd's little boy, Ben is nine years old and obviously his dad is a phenomenal tire. I mean, he tied a wiggle, he'd invented the wiggle minnow. Um, but He's a prolific tire. I mean, this guy ties the yep. most amazing bugs. The wiggle minnow is not the only fly no. that that Umqua no. right. sells of Todd's. <laughs> yeah. So, um, obviously, he's in a pretty high pedigree, you know. Uh, but this, this little kid's just tore up with coming out to my fly shop. And he's a rad little dude. And he was there at the event. And, yep. you know, to me, like... I owe it to that little guy because he's excited to be at my shop that I can sit down for a few minutes and talk to him and take the time to hang out with him. But he ties, he'll come to the shop and he has his own vice and his dad will help him. And he's just a rad little kid, but he, he'll just sit down and crank out like a dozen flies. And then one day he goes, Mr. Johnny, can I, can I have my own spot in the fly bins? And I'm like, hell yeah, you can. And he thought it was so rad because, you know, I remember being a little kid and being around these guys and being like, yeah, it's like you want to fit in. You want to yeah, be part yeah. of the, you want to be part of the crew. <laughs> yeah. And obviously with, with his dad being well known and known in this area and beyond, you know, I wanted to give him his own due uh, and make him feel special about, getting to tie for the shop so we got a little printer maker thing and i made a little section of flies called ben's flies and you know i told him i'm like all right man you know when i sell your flies dude i get this much and you get this much you know and uh so he just thinks it's so cool and i think it's so cool i mean I mean, how cool is that? That's so uh, little. Yeah. Yeah. We, we learned about it this trip. Yeah. And like, I think everybody bought some of Benjamin's yeah. flies. Yeah. I think I owe Ben some money. So yeah. Todd, if you hear this, 
bring him out. I need to took him up. Need to settle up. Yeah. Although he does get a pretty uh, open tab of hot dogs at the shop. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> and he would always say, I'll take one. And then, you know, five minutes later, he's like, can I get another one? And so uh, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's the little stuff like that. Like you were asking earlier regrets. Nah, man. Nah, I don't. Nah, dude, I was, I was in construction. I roofed people's houses. I mean, yeah, I, I gave the same attention to detail, but dude, I'm standing in a fly shop with people coming in that are just stoked to be there. Right. So. Well, um, you know, having grown up here in the area myself, um, you know, it's not until you leave somewhere that you learn to appreciate the nuance. Oh, sure. Um, and, and, and you see some of the things that you were in front of right there in front of you sure. that you didn't see. Um, the river, uh, for me growing up was not really fishable. Um, there was not a lot of bug life in the river. Mm-hmm. Nobody really fished, you know, vast stretch of the South Holston because mm-hmm. it, it just didn't hold fish. Um, my, I have relatives that own riverfront mm-hmm. and, uh, we really just went and camped and then just like hung out, swam, played in the river, you know, and if they started generating, then it's like time to get out of the water, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. A, because it, you know, swifter water B, you're going to freeze your little nuts off, yeah, right? Yeah. Cold. Um, so it was really neat that while I had moved away, the TVA puts in the weir, mm-hmm. um, and man, the, the river comes to life. Yeah. Game changer. Yeah. Total game changer. And, uh, you know, it's cliche to say it, you know, it's one of, if not the best tailwater east of the Mississippi, um, you know, especially for Browns. Yeah. Yep. Um, and, and you kind of touched on it where, you know, we've got these guides, that literally, as soon as the river took off the way it did, they started guiding. Mm-hmm. And they've been part of this river from day one, yeah. really. Yeah. I mean, you can't get any more OG than that, <laughs> yeah, right? No doubt, no doubt. And um, having grown up here, um, just weird little stuff. And uh, my wife always gets tickled. I'm a big waver, you know, and (laughs) as you're driving around growing up up here, you know, one hand on the wheel and as you go, you know, everybody waves at each other. Everybody, you know, there's a reason that you hear about Southern hospitality. Yeah. So what better class of folks or, or region to be in the business of being fly fishing guides (laughs) than a bunch of guys that have been raised to have fairly good manners, yeah. But but to you know to be that that have that servant's heart, yeah. You know, um, so you know you're in good company where where that's concerned. Um, one of the things that you've you've said, um, and I, and I believe it's in your DNA, is the whole community aspect, mm-hmm. whether it's Benjamin 
and making sure that he's part of the fly shop yeah. at nine years old yep. or, you know, hoping and wanting, you know, the OGs um, that they may be affiliated with another shop. That's yeah. maybe where they get their, their trips booked through. Sure. But you've created this space that's really quickly becoming, you know, the the hub of where everybody is willing to, you know, to stop through, hang out. Yeah. And, and it seems to be like building momentum. Um, so knowing that you created the space, right. Mm -hmm. The, you know, once, once I knew the space was there, um, I came into town, um, to do a, a, a YouTube video with Ben Sittig. Yeah. And, uh, we were fishing the South Fork of the Holston, but all the way down in Kingsport mm -hmm. for the smallmouth. Mm -hmm. Um, dead of winter and when we came up to the shop you know it was ben's first time coming in the shop yeah it was kyle's first time you know, everybody that you know was with us it was their first time yeah and they were blown away and it, like you know the, the very next day we're out filming again and we're like okay we've had enough <laughs> hey is the shop open today and you're like of course it's open today right back we went so you know i mean it was just like two plus two equals four, right? You know, like we, yeah. we, it was adding up that, you know, we wanted to be at the shop yeah, and, and, and we spent quite a few hours at the shop. Oh yeah. Bending an elbow, right. <laughs> and telling stories and, you know, recounting the day. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we've got, you know, the podcast and, uh, the reason we do the podcast is, it, I don't like to use the word forces, but it's it's a it's a reminder um, for us. It's kind of like a you know some people have a, a a card game that they go to. Some guys have a standing golf you know foursome sure. that, that they play. We get together, cook a meal, mm -hmm. eat, and then sit down and shoot the shit like you and I are right now. Record it and release it as a podcast. Yeah. So, you know, it's really one of those things where it's all about having a good time. And we've realized over the course of time, just like you kind of have with opening a fly shop, that you can build a community around that. Mm -hmm. So I was really interested in doing something with you. Mm -hmm. And uh, this past Saturday we did our casting competition. <laughs> yeah, it was rad. And, uh, <laughs> you know, to see, I mean, I would say the oldest competitor that we had was probably Gary. Yeah, super cool dude. Um, you know, I've never met Gary before. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, he was one of the first ones to sign up. Oh, yeah, dude. And uh, <clears throat> yep. I, I, what, what's Gary? Late 70s? Yeah. Pushing probably 80. I'd yeah. Say, yeah. And, uh, you know, youngest was probably early 20s. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And then we had uh, a pretty good, pretty good boatload of guides that yeah. got in on it. Had a female. Had a female. That she's, yeah, she's, uh, she's a badass fisherman. Uh, I was, uh, I have some uh, video 
and I was impressed. She was double hauling. Oh yeah. Um, so you know, all of a sudden, you know, here's this homogenized group of of anglers from you know late seventies down to the twenties, you know, all out to have a good time, mm -hmm. and it's exactly what you put together, <laughs> and. You know, you, you should be proud of what you're doing, and I know you are. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it's a study in what fly fishing can be and, in my opinion, should be. Should be. be. Yeah. yeah, 100%. Yeah, 100%. Um, and, again, it goes back to kind of what I was saying. Like, I am <clears> – I'm humbled all the time by – the people that come in the shop just because you know man i'm just somebody who loves fly fishing and is passionate about it and um you know i basically built the shop i wanted to hang out at before i go fishing and when i'm done fishing right and it's as simple as that i mean that's all it really is is just a place that <clears throat> i want to give you know, not to use a really overstated s sentence, but a safe place. I mean, that guys can just come. And, you know, like the first couple months we were open, I remember one of the things that just blew me away the most is everybody knows Marcus Adkins. He's a, a guide on the river, um, and he's been a bartender at State Line for like 20 years. Like everybody knows Marcus, right? And he comes in the shop and he'll have a beer and he'll grab a bag of ice and, you know, before his trips and uh, he'll meet his clients there sometimes uh, or, you know, go pick them up from wherever he's picking them up. Um, but I remember one time he, he had gotten off the water. I think he was just fun fishing and he was sitting at the bar having a drink and some other dude rolls in and he, you know, they, they sit down next to each other. So they're like a foot and a half from each other. And they start talking, and the one guy goes, dude, I've seen you on the river for years, and I've never introduced myself. You know, my name is, I can't remember what the guy's name right. is. And Marcus is like, oh, Marcus, man. And I was like, I stand in at the cash register, that center section, I'm like, hell yeah. Like, that right there was like check box, you know, because it was like, that is exactly what I had envisioned. And then after your event you know i text you hey man thanks again um super rad and that is exactly what we had envisioned you know was this place that people can come and let their guard down and have a good time and um you know the friendly competition thing it was funny what you said how it was <laughs> you and i kind of likened it to a middle school dance you said it was more clicky but it was like once ever, I was like, come on, guys, let's go. Let's sign up. And you were doing the same thing. And, you know, I was like, come on, sign up. And and uh, we got our 16 anglers and uh, to go the head-to-head -head thing. And then, you know, I was running in and running out. And I'd take a few minutes and I'd run outside and, and sit there and watch guys cast. And they were laughing. And two guides from different guide services are standing out there you know casting their rods trying to hit these targets and uh 
and it was like, dude, I'm, I'm serious, man. Like I started getting a little emotional because it was like, heck yeah, man, this is it. Like yeah. everybody's sitting on their tailgates drinking beer, watching these guys laugh at one another and. And again, there was definitely some competition. In sure, it. Um, there was. At, there's always that little. Yeah. There's a little underlying, yeah. you know, competition going yeah. on, but it devolved yeah. really quickly yeah. into everybody's having such a good time, and you know, we all went out to dinner. Your family and my family. Yeah. And Cy was with us, and he was relaying how. Sometimes the guides get chirpy with each other <laughs> on the water. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, everybody's peacocking, you know, sure. because of this, that, and the other. Yeah. And there was none of that. Mm -mm. And, and actually, everybody, you know, laughter is the best medicine. Yeah. Um, they, they were all teasing each other. Yeah. Everybody was having a good laugh at each other's expense yeah. in a positive way. Yeah. And, you know, one of the funniest um, was, you know, some, uh, I'm terrible with names. Um, big guy. Shane. Shane. <laughs> Shane. Shane cracked me up straight away because uh, I was like, hey, man, you're going to get in on this or what? And he was like, dude, I'm a guide. I can't cast. I row the boat. <laughs> And I was like, hey, at least you're honest. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> you know, it, it was it was fun because I did know that. And, and when I said it was clicky, it was. It, oh, was, yeah. it was definitely clicky sure. when we first got there. Sure, absolutely. And it was clicky because all these guys work for different outfitters. So, of course, they're familiar with each other. Yeah. So they kind of like, you know, it was kind of like... Uh, you know, they're talking and sizing up. Do we do this? I don't know, man. Are we going to do this? And we were able to exact enough peer pressure yeah. <laughs> to get everybody involved. Positive peer pressure. Yeah. And, but, and once everybody realized that it was just about having a good time. Yeah. Because everybody was like, this is a competition, you know, and nobody wanted to be the first person eliminated. Yeah. Everybody wanted to be the guy that won. Sure. And... You know, by the time it was over, the commentary on every, you know, like, nope, short, you know, oh, too long. Yeah, they all you know? started gathering. Around oh, yeah, it, yeah. It, was, it was phenomenal. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, Especially so, moving to those bigger targets. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're going to, trust me, we're going to talk about that at length. Yeah, I uh, I can't wait to hear that one. Uh, there will be some uh, re-ruffled feathers. Uh, yeah, uh, that was pretty funny. The first round, yeah, when Ben came in and was like, dude, do you still have those hula hoops? And I'm like, yeah, man, they're up in the storage spot. So we climbed up there and grabbed them. And, yeah, things sped up a little bit. But, uh, yeah, yeah, it was um, it was more difficult than, a, than people thought it was going to be. But it was still fun still manageable yeah it was manageable but uh yeah you and i had went out and cast a little bit before it and i'm like because you said go out there and make sure it's not too hard and within a few casts i had hit every target and and i'm like yeah dude this is yeah this is great yeah. <laughs> and when ben came in and said we're gonna need those hula hoops or this is gonna go on into the morning right <laughs> yeah but yeah it was um it was pretty special man and the fact that you know i 
there's just enough. Uh, w- one really cool thing is, um, I think his name's Chad Fouts. He runs the Smoky Mountain Angler. Yeah, he came up. Yeah, he had called and was like, <clears throat> you know, hey man, I'm thinking about coming up, and I'm like, yeah, dude, come on up. It's going to be super fun, and you know, the beer's going to be cold, and we're all going to have a good time. And you know, to watch that guy. I mean, there's a dude that drove what two hours. Yep. Um, and was totally solo, like rolled in no posse. Right. And most of the other guys, you know, their, their buddies were there. Right. And dude, that guy had a blast and he messaged me on Instagram. It's like, when's the next one? You That's know? great. <laughs> yeah. It's great to hear. Yeah. So, uh, you know, and, and like that, and then that couple from, uh, Knoxville that came up. Yep. And then he had the family crew that came up from Georgia. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, how rad is that? Yeah. That like my shop and you know that they came and had that good of a time and and yeah i mean that's the 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 best part of the whole thing for me um yeah i it was it was phenomenal and yeah we're already like oh my god we need to do this you know you can't do it too much or it takes away from it but yeah i've already been walking the property because i want kind of want to do what you guys do down at the marine discovery center yeah yeah do the yeah yeah and so that was cool. And, you know, I think that, you know, with the event that we just did and the uh, the different crews that participated along with, you know, doing a future event, you know, you're going to start seeing the guys just like, you know, you were talking earlier. Man, I've seen you on the river so many times that I've mm-hmm. never talked. Now they've seen each other at the shop, talked to each other at the shop. Yeah. So instead of being chirpy, they know each other now. Yeah. Even though they're from different outfits. Yeah. They're going to have that personal connection. Yep. And I think it's going to help overall everybody have an even better time yeah. when they're fishing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, because... Uh, we're all there to do the same thing. Right. I mean, <clears throat> we do this because we love fishing and we love fly fishing and we love to watch people just geek out on it and have a good time. And yeah, I mean, you know, it it's it should be as important to have that relationship and commonality between the guides as it is the customers. Mm-hmm. You know, if two guides are chirping at each other. Um, I I would venture to say as somebody who has sat in a guide's boat, when that's gone down, when that's gone down, I have not rebooked with them. Right. And I'm not gonna, no, that's not my jam, man. You know, I'm, I'm there. You're not there for conflict. You're (laughs) there for relaxation. Yeah, yeah, dude. Yeah. I'm, I'm here to, to check out the river and I'm here for the party. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not here for your all's, you know, personal vendetta um, with each other or whatever you got going on. Um, so, yeah, um, and you brought that up when we were at dinner the other night. And it couldn't ring any more true. I mean, now one guide and another guide from, quote, unquote, competing guide services um, are going to be able to be like, hey, man, you know, come on through or give me just a minute. Because right. that personal connection is is there, yeah, and and that's 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 important, and that's what it's all about. Um, and you see that at you know going back to the skateboard thing, you know, as a kid at skate parks, you know, or you know there weren't really skate parks then, but 
going to these places on certain sections of town. Right. And everybody kind of, you know, and then after a while, it all kind of broke down. We're all there to do the same thing, man. We're there to have fun and, 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 um, you know, hopefully build a community because we all enjoy doing the same thing. I mean, so, so here's the next step in my mind and I want to hear your thoughts. So when left to be more of a, a tribal culture mm-hmm. and the tribalism mm-hmm. that uh, has existed mm-hmm. and, and you know, it's not a knock on uh, all the different guide services. No, no. It's not a knock on the different shops out there. Not at all. It's just human nature. Yep. But now you've kind of created the town square, right? And people are starting to take advantage of it. They're starting to meet each other. They're starting to realize that they all do have this one thing in common. It's having fun. It happens to be revolving around this thing we call fly fishing. Right. You're going to create this community. And I don't even want to say you're creating the community. The community is going to become more aware that they all have the same interest at heart. Yeah. And as that happens and they all see that they are in the same boat, pun pun intended, (laughs) bad joke. Yeah. um, What do you see as a potential benefit when it comes to any kind of conservation issue or river issue that's going on where instead of having four or five competing groups of X number of individuals, instead you have one united voice Mm -hmm. that's approaching the TVA Mm -hmm. and saying, we want to meet with you guys and we want to be respectful of each other. This is what we need. How can we do something so that we can achieve that goal? Yeah. Absolutely. Because if you don't think it's not going to happen, you are fooling yourself. Um, Yeah, uh, there is no doubt that um, the South Holston fishes differently since they put that new turbine in and lowered their minimum flows when the water's off. So we talk about community and commonality. Well, boys, you better put that chirping away because... There is going to come a time when we better have a united front um, because if we don't, um, you know, and I'm not, I'm not saying the sky's falling, but, uh, you know, and, I, and I, I'm an outsider. I mean, I didn't grow up here, um, but I'm passionate about this place, and I've seen it when it is insanely good. And there are all kinds of opinions that why it's not as good. Pressure, yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's a lot of boats on the water. Um, There's a lot of guides on the water. Um, But um, if we don't stand together, then we're going to fall apart. Um, And because I have already had conversation with the TVA, um, 
a very calm conversation mm -hmm. with an area biologist, the area hydrologist, and the area recreational specialist. And those guys have their shit together. Um, and so it isn't going to be, it isn't going to be eight different shops calling and bitching because they're not going to listen to that because they have data to back up what they believe is the right thing that they're doing. They're also willing to talk to us, um, but they're going to do it on their terms from now on. Um, and that's kind of what I've been told. And so hopefully <clears throat> as each one of these little chips get taken off and we're all able to communicate and realize that the only thing we want, we all want, which is good water flows, uh, good management of the water and the fish in the water and stuff like that. Um, as we kind of chip away at at getting rid of the everybody chirping at each other or mad at somebody or you know whatever it is, um, we're going to be able to come together as a united force and make a difference. Um, and 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 we're going to need to. I mean, yeah. I think in the next few years we're going to need to for sure. Yeah, and it, it only makes sense if everybody sticks together you can make it better for everybody. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I don't want it better just for my shop. I want it better for the South Holston Riverfly shop and for EFO and for Mahoney's and for uh, Trophy Waters. And, you know, these are all shops I went in, guys, and spent my money in and enjoyed going in your all shops and look up to you guys. I mean, you guys are what I would consider OG guys. Um, and, you know, it's going to take all of the new guys and the OG guys and the guys that you bring in your customers speaking as one front to make a difference on this river that I really believe we're going to have to fight for. Um, and, and I think we can do it. There's no doubt in my mind we can do it. Um, and the resources that we have inside of our clients and customers and all of our shops, you know, there's, doctors and lawyers and biologists and people who come and spend a lot of money at your all shops and my shop and with your guides that are willing to help. And that's what it's going to take, you know, is getting the, all of those people together and being like, this is bigger than a fly rod sale. Right. <laughs> you know, absolutely. Th this is bigger than that dude spending 30 bucks on 12 flies at my shop. And he shouldn't, do that at your you know i mean yeah <laughs> because without the fish and without um without what what we all are doing here and love to do here uh, if that goes away guess what my shop isn't the only one closing right. it's going to be a lot of them right so it's it's a financial interest but it's also a passion and it should be you know deep inside of you that you want to fight together as a community for what you love you know justin and 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 the other schroyer family they've done nothing different than i've done they've put it all on the line the champions have done the same thing they put everything they have on the line for their shop and we've all done the same thing and we're all just you know 
being able to take advantage of a of a beautiful resource that we have like the river and it, it you know i mean it's gonna take all of us to change that and um you know if i'm the catalyst for that it's not an ego thing for me <clears throat> at all like I'll get out of the way if that's what it takes. But if, but if I can be that little spark that ignites the fact that we're all able to get together and approach the TVA and the Army Corps engineer and TWRA and fight for this thing that... That, that you guys love. Yeah, and maybe we've taken advantage of a little bit. I mean, it's super easy, you know. <clears throat> when it's real good, it's real good, but... If you haven't traveled outside of this area a whole lot and fished, you have no clue of how good it really is. I mean, it you you are in the same battle just down the road yeah. with the Mosquito Lagoon, and I don't understand any of that stuff. But to me, it's like, oh, my God, here's a guy that is making total— I don't understand estuaries and flows, and you and I got in a big conversation about it because I just kind of wanted to— pick your brain about why they needed to you know and it's something as simple as and we can as a community get pretty frustrated because to us it's like oh my god just turn the damn water up you would think it's that simple right but with you know you just listed off you know four agencies or three big agencies and probably there's seven others that you don't realize are involved exactly and you know they they're not inclined to listen to a a few people but they're very inclined to listen to a lot of people yeah and that's the power of we mm-hmm. and uh you know the 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 community it, it comes back to community um no different you know we're we're about to do our fourth annual um dinghy derby yeah and poker run and that's all just to raise money to give to somebody that's been around for 25 years doing the the actual hands-on work that has the relationships with the biologists Mm -hmm. and the government agencies Mm -hmm. to work towards that solution so you know we're able to you know, help out our estuary where we fish by doing that. Um, but you know, it takes, it takes being able to put asses in the seat Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, a collective voice and you start to see things happen. Yeah. So, uh, you know, again, I, I wasn't fortunate enough, you know, I, I haven't lived here full time since the river became great, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, it was just average run of the mill river. There mm-hmm. was, there was trout up near the dam. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, further down the, there just wasn't that much going on because the oxygenation didn't carry that far. Mm-hmm. You know, there was, it was like long stretches of dead water, you know, um, carp fishing was a lot better back then. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, you know, it's funny, um, I spent, you know, a few different times, um, camping along the river, 
and uh, right there where my Aunt Mary has property. And uh, the primary purpose that we all have to understand with TVA is uh, that uh, we um, it's it's for flood control, right? Right. Yeah. And uh, recreation is secondary to that. And um, back then, you know, there wasn't even a real recreational purpose to it. Sure. But now that they've invested the time and the effort and the money, um, they absolutely um, are going to want to listen because they've created this recreational component. Sure. Um, when we come back, because I want to take a quick break, we'll talk a little bit about the balance of all those competing interests. Okay. All right? Yeah. So let's take a break, and we'll come back and continue that conversation. Just a small town girl Living in a lonely world She took the midnight train Going anywhere Just a city boy Born and raised in South Detroit He took the midnight starting to bumble around and talk about uh, the competing interests and uh, you know as long as you recognize that the primary goal is flood control yep. and that's always going to take precedence then you know hydro uh, power production is second um, and then lastly if you know there's a recreational component to be had yeah they're happy to accommodate that. Yep. As long as it doesn't interfere with the first two. Correct. Um, and that's what we all have to remember as anglers. You know, that the, they, they're they happy that we're out there doing <laughs> what we're doing, mm -hmm. but they may not bend over backwards to do it if they're hearing singular voices. Yeah. Um, I've only fished the Watauga a handful of times. Mm -hmm. And the couple of times that I've floated it, it's been maddening. Um, <laughs> down in Mosquito Lagoon, um, there's several groups that will do uh, kayak tours. Mm -hmm. And God love them. I'm glad that they're outside. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're, you know, out there enjoying the same, you know, estuary that I love. But they're just not in tune with what I'm doing. Sure. So we refer to those as a plastic hatch. Yeah, kind of the same thing here. And uh, on the Watauga, you get the uh, all the rafters coming down. Yep. And 
you know, it, it happened to me a couple times. Like, fuck this. I'm, I'm not fishing over here. Yeah. You know, you can tell me how great it is. I'm not doing it because just as soon as you're about to, you know, hit a good section, here comes, you know, people cannonballing off the <laughs> rafts and hooting and hollering. Mm-hmm. But there's a lesson to be learned there. Oh, yeah. It's called the recreational flow. Mm-hmm. And you and I have talked a little bit about, you know, hydro's important. Yep. So they just replaced that turbine. And because they put in a newer technology turbine, not something that was put in in the 50s, right? Sure. Yep. They, it's more efficient. They, you know, for whatever reason, they can do the lower flows, all that good stuff. So we have to evolve and grow with the TVA's growth. But I think that they would be willing to listen. Oh, they are. And understand. Because, I mean, the, the thing the thing to me is, like, if you just show them, look, you've already invested all this money in, in and then... You know, the the people that you really need to also get involved are local legislators, mm-hmm. you know, and and if you can show the financial impact yep. that guiding has created this much economic impact to this valley mm-hmm. and it's being adversely affected by by something as simple as the TVA sitting down and understanding that if they would just bump the flows up by a little bit, Mm -hmm. whatever that is, that it would preserve and protect that economic aspect of it for the, for the region. Sure. I think that even if their biologist says, yeah, but the bugs are okay at this level, the trout are okay at this level, the temperature is okay at this level. Well, would it still be okay at this at the little bit higher level? Yeah. Well, of course. Yeah. Would you still be able to meet your flood control? Yeah, of course. Yep. How about power? Yep, no problem. Then let's please do that because this unintended benefit yeah. of economic activity, you know, so, you know, whether you go to the Chamber of Commerce, if Bristol has one, you know, is there a, a tourist tourism development board? You know, you guys have the perfect opportunity to brainstorm and, and yeah. get everybody involved. I think the hard part um, <clears throat> with that is going to be, um, I think before, and again, like these guys have their shit together because I, I spoke to all three of them at the same time at my shop and um you know one of them made a really kind of quippy comment and he wasn't being a dick about it you know i said well how can how can there be recreational flows you know we're in the same you know the the cyclical drought was brought up you know we're in this little drought and the guy looked at me and he said, because they asked. And I was like, oh. And he goes, yeah. Like, they approached us and showed why they needed a recreational flow. And uh, he goes, 
last time we were asked, it was more we were accosted than we were asked. You right. Know? Yeah. And so people yelling at you, telling you what you need to do, not just asking. Yeah. Yeah. Or or showing rather than it being like, a, you know, I want this flow. And, you know, it was they they had laid out their case a whole lot better than just being pissed off. Right. Um, and so, uh, the other thing that was brought up that I think I am guilty of is I kind of have tunnel vision, right? I have tunnel vision for the Watauga and the South Holston, but it is, it is two little pieces in a giant moving cog of, of water. Mm -hmm. You know, you've got Wilbur Dam, Watauga Dam, Wilbur Dam, South Holston Dam, uh, Boone Dam, Fort Patrick Henry, you know, and, and on down on the line. And on. So yep. it isn't like some dude sitting in a in a music sitting, you know, where he's fucking around with switches and, you know, they have to plan ahead. And, you know, maybe it's just me, but it's pretty easy to put two and two together. They started getting recreational flows and our flows, minimum flows, went down. And it's all mathematics. Right. You know, they're keeping these. At the end of the day, it's just math. It's all it is. They're right. keeping these dams, you know, these lake levels high enough to keep. And, and he pointed that out. He goes, you know, we make one switch and maybe we make all you fly fishermen happy, but we piss everybody up off on the lake, you know. Right. And so there's a lot of moving parts. So, again, it, it isn't going to be one of those things where we all go into a room with these guys pissed off. You know, we're going to have to have we're going to have to have a united front with facts behind it and a plan that makes sense to everybody on down the line. And so, you know, I said to him, OK, well, mathematically, if your goal is to keep the South Holston Lake at this 1736 level all the time and we get these bumps of rain and you just pour the water out of it as fast as you get it right back down, you know, mathematically, it ha you have to be able to up the, the sluice gate, you know, so sluice 500 all the time and mathematically figure out what you need to do on and and the guy's like oh yeah that can be done and i was like you know is it a power thing and he goes it's less than 10 percent in the system that one dam right so you know you, we all have to remember that thing was off for four years three and a half four years so y you can't say it's a power thing because they were getting power from somewhere else now do they need to rely on it for power absolutely but I also then brought up, well, three years ago or four years ago, you guys were running 3,000 plus through that thing. And by the time you add in all the creeks that were inflowing into the South Holston, I would guess because I fished it, um, I would guess it would have been mid to high 3,000 CFS. So we know that if they're sluicing 500 all the time instead of 100, it gives the wade fishermen opportunity. They can generate on top of that because the river can handle that in case of like the rain we're getting right now. Um, so, but it's going to take all of us realizing that 
you know, it, we're going to have to have our shit straight with a plan and be calm about it. Right. And ask rather than demand. Yep. Because at the end of the day, I, I hate to use the term, they don't give a shit, but in a sense, their shit's working right now. Right. The area's biologist has done a three-year study under these low flows and can show you the data that the biomass is just as big at this 150 flow on low water. Now, are you seeing different bugs, guys, that you've not seen in a while? A lot of pale evening duns, a lot of smaller sulfurs or really big sulfurs? Yeah. You know, we're seeing a black caddis on this river that traditionally you only see for a pretty short time in the evenings but it, it's been prolific like i've caught more fish this year running a size 19 or 21 you know some kind of weird size little black caddis behind a sulfur done i've caught just as many fish on that dry fly fishing as i have on the good old puff daddy and it's because this caddis hatch is happening all the time and you know so you know we're gonna have to we're gonna have to as a community come together and be like all right man this is reasonable to ask for you know we're not gonna get i'm reserved and and okay with knowing that we're not gonna get everything we're gonna ask for so let's get a plan together that how would this best fit all of us and and then sit down with these guys and be yeah. like dude we need help Maybe that's a good way to approach it. And, and what is it they say about a good deal? Uh, if it's a good deal, somebody didn't get what they wanted, but everybody got something that they wanted. Yeah, yeah. You know? So you know what? It, no, everybody didn't get it all. Yeah, it's like yeah, it's a compromise. It's there's going to be compromise. There's going to be a compromise. And instead of demanding, what if we ask these guys for help? That's that's <laughs> the way to go. Yeah, I mean, rather than getting in a room with these guys and freaking out on them, what if we were like, dude, we need your help? Right. What What do you see that we yeah. can do? In the construction world, if I was meeting with a, a builder, if I could get that builder to believe that it was his idea. Bingo. Bingo. I, I You know, what I wanted done... I. 99% of the time I got it done because I made this dude feel like I needed him as much as he needs me. And, and, and let's face it, guys, everybody out there listening, <laughs> we need them as bad as they, you know, that we need them more than they really need us. Absolutely. I mean, that's the short end of it. Um, so yeah, man, I'm, I'm stoked to, to, in. <laughs> You know, maybe that's maybe that's what my shop is there for, and, and 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 not to take the credit for it, but to be the the catalyst that gets that movement going. Um, and if it would make everybody else feel better, I'll give another person the credit. I don't give a shit. Right. I just I want the river back how it was. Um, and because I think if we got the flows back to how they were, or we could find that middle ground where all of the wade fishermen are happy the dudes in the wake boats up on the lake are happy and i think the pressure thing will take care of itself i think you know if we have sustained water going through that river all the time predictable every day 
you know, unless there's something catastrophic happening. And obviously we're reasonable enough to realize that that needs to be the focus of what's going on at that time. And we don't get our panties in a wad. I think all of the rest of the stuff will kind of work itself take, out. Take care of itself. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So how much, if any, fishing have you done in the salt? I've done not a lot, um, not as much as I'd like to. Um, I've been fortunate to to throw some flies at some permit, um, which those guys are pricks. Uh, I thought snobby trout were pricks, but holy crap, permits suck. Um, or it may be that I suck. That's probably it. Um, caught a few bonefish. Um, I have not caught a redfish. Okay. And that's like on a bucket list. I, that's probably funny, but I'm sure it is. Um, uh, but yeah, man, I'm I'm stoked to kind of to exercise that a little bit in the near future. Now, have those been uh, like trips that you've taken through a fly shop in the past or just like personal trips? No, dude, those are personal trips. I am the... <laughs> As a fly shop owner, this is, you know, Larry brought up earlier about me not selling a fly rod when I knew I could have sold a fly rod. And so this is about as damaging as that is, but I'm the king of DIY. I would rather go get my nuts kicked in <laughs> to be able to say that. And maybe that goes back to when I was a little kid, you know, right. I did this. Um, I have booked redfish trips through an old fly shop in charleston the low country outfitters yeah scotty d yeah yeah super cool shop like yep you know the badass place um hated to hear that it closed uh we booked a couple guides with him and you know the river is the river right like tomorrow if you weren't going home i could pretty much say we're gonna catch fish because the i can look at the flows but you know we were down there and it was the only time I could be there. And I get it. Like the two guides, man, the, they felt bad. I mean, it was shitty conditions. Right. I, we shot at a few, but um, I mean, it had rained and rained and it just, it wasn't good. One of the reasons I ask, and, 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 you know, I'm the same way. I'd rather, you know, take a skunk for five days running on a trip doing it DIY than I would to, you know, go to a lodge. Um, but that's not to say I wouldn't go to a right, lodge. Right. I'm just curious with, you know, the vibe that you have at your shop, if you're going to start maybe doing any hosted trips so that, you know, you guys during the winter are, are, you know, getting, yeah. getting folks together and, and taking trips like to Belize or down to Ascension or anything like that. Any yeah. We've, we've any plans of, of doing stuff like that. Yeah, for sure. We've talked about it. I've, I definitely, um, have got a core group of dudes that are interested in doing something like that. Um, so yeah, I mean, we've talked about that kind of stuff. I do have a trip on the books next year, um, to Montana, um, and it's almost sold. It's almost filled out. Um, I've got one more spot and one guy's kind of on the fence about it, but, um, yeah, I, I don't know enough about that. I mean, I'll be completely candid. Like I'm not, that is not my, when I even hate to use this term area of expertise, right. Um, but would that be something I'd be down to get with? Oh, yeah, 
faux show. I right. mean, I would love to go, you know, and and go with dudes. Well, I just see it as like the one of the next steps of you know that community building yeah. thing is yeah, like, yeah. you know like once you've got like because over time you're going to develop like you said you know a core group of guys yeah. that are always hanging out and it's like hey you know what february and you know or whatever you know like when 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 the spawn's going on yeah you know it's like hey let's all fucking bug out and you know go do yeah. some salty shit yeah you know and, and leave these fish alone yeah you know oh that'd be great um yeah that would be that would be super dope and that and I probably would allow my sons to kind of lead that charge probably a little harder than I would. Right. Um, at this point, I definitely will um, push for the out west thing just because it's it's home and it's familiar to me. Right. Um, so, but yeah, the salty stuff like my oldest son Forrest, like that's his jam. That is his. You know, he's super into that stuff. And so, um, yeah, I mean that. Eventually, that's what we would like to do is that kind of stuff. Um, you know, those are pretty lofty goals, but so was selling everything I own and opening a fly yeah. shop. <laughs> that was uh, that was a big fucking a big fucking move, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've 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 told you a couple times, man. I you know <clears throat> I liken it to sitting, and I don't play poker, but you know. I'm the dude who always was just fishing or doing something like that. But literally, yeah, we pushed all in and kept one little chip back to get cab fare on the way home. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that's the kind of stuff, like, I look at dudes in the industry that I definitely fanboy over. I mean, to use a really lame term, but, you know, like Rooster out in Twin Bridges, I've spent time with him and fished with him and we've used his place to facilitate a few things. And yeah, that guy's got that shit figured out. Right. You know, I mean, he's, he's obviously like another level than our shop, but, um, eventually, yeah, hell yeah, dude, yeah. I, I'd be down with that. Well, you know, I, I'm just going to remind you, um, <laughs> Give yourself some credit. You, you guys have got a really wonderful thing going on. Uh, I've enjoyed sitting here talking to you, finding out a little bit about what makes you tick, where you came from, what your goals were, how they're coming along. Yeah. And uh, wish you nothing but success. Thanks, um, man. You know, I always sum it up with one word when it comes to folks like yourself. Yeah. And I love to see it. It's somebody with fucking hustle. <laughs> you know, if you've got the hustle, yeah. Um, you know, you can make a dream a yeah. reality. Yeah. And and you know, if you're willing to risk big, the rewards are big. Sure, absolutely. And and the beneficiaries of your big risk is a community that I I got to see firsthand come together in a really special way this past Saturday. Yeah. And, you know, I'm, I'm packing up and heading back to Florida. Um, and I am already like fucking scouring <laughs> the calendar yeah. for, you know, how quickly I can get back up here because it's 10 minutes from my door to your shop's door. Yeah. And I couldn't be happier about that. Yeah. So keep doing what you're doing. Thanks man. And, uh, you know, 
the welcome mat is always out in Oak Hill. Yeah, um, dude, I need to. If I you want to come down. Yeah, hell um, yeah. Just, uh, I know you've got a lot on your plate right now, keeping the shop. You know, you have any uh, first, <laughs> it's going to be in November, right? Yeah, when yeah. Uh, you're going to do the uh, anniversary. Yeah. So uh, we'll probably try to come up for that. That'd be sweet. And uh, until then, man, just keep doing what you're doing. Thanks, brother. Thank you for uh, for inspiring, you know, dudes like me listening to your podcast. And, uh, you know, it's rad to sit here. I mean, this is the kind of stuff that I've always, like, wished would happen, you know. And, and um, so thank you, man. Thanks for all you do for our community as well. I happy to do it you know because uh it's fun hell yeah and that's what it's all about (laughs) hell yeah so all right well uh if you're in east tennessee and you're thirsty after a day on the river or you're looking for some of the best sandwiches you can get for a day (laughs) on the river or you need a new fly rod or you just want to stop by and shoot the shit go see jonathan Naaman. Neiman. That's right. Um, at the fly box, uh, you're going to have a damn good time. You're going to feel like family. And uh, that's going to be it for this uh, edition of A Beer With. Hey, Hope Larry. you enjoyed it. Real quick, Larry. I got to give a shout out to one of our guys, Kyle McInturf. <laughs> yes. Hey, Kyle. Hey, Kyle. What's up, man? Love you. Mean it. Yeah. Love you. Mean it. <laughs> All right. Um, I want you to think about one thing and uh, when you do finally make that trip down to fish Mosquito Lagoon with me, which I'm going to hold you to that. Hell yeah. You've got to have a walk-up song for when you get on the front deck. All right. Cool. All right. Yeah, I know it. All right. What, 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 what would it be? Oh, man, I'm going to save it. I'm All right. Gonna, yeah. All <laughs> it's right. going to be a surprise. <laughs> All right. Sounds good. <laughs> All right. Well, with that, we're going to get out of here. And uh, again, I appreciate you taking the time out of your evening away from family to come down here and and, and share your story. Thank you, man. All right. That's it. We'll see you on the next one. See you, everybody.